Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Course Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. Ladies and gentlemen, what's up? This is Questlove, and you're checking out QLS Classic. Uh, So some time back, uh, way back, I think around 2018, there was a a mythical unearthed, with quotations, project called Top Shelf 1988. And it featured like a lot of the all-stars of the what I call the Latin Quarter era of uh, hip-hop. The Latin Quarter era known as the, uh, the classic hip-hop era. Um, a lot of those songs that are now staples in hip-hop, they basically got their debut um, when DJ Red Alert was spinning at the Latin Quarter. Luminaries like Chub Rock, um, also Grandmaster Cass, Belly Mel, Smooth B of Nice and Smooth, Dreza Black Sheep. Master Ace, Grand Poobah, Jungle Brothers, Dougie Fresh, Special Ed, MC Light, Craig G, Big Daddy Kane, Biz Marquis, and of course, uh, MC Search. Um, what can I say, man? This is like one of those rare summit meetings that I've always dreamed about, having a conversation with my, uh, you know, my comrades, the guys that, that built hip-hop culture as I knew and love it. Ladies and gentlemen... Let's go back, back in time, to a classic era in Questlove Supreme history. This is the Top Shelf 1988 episode. Let's go. Salute that man, hat. Let's just, let's just kick it off. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, do not attempt to adjust your, your, do uh, your, 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 do it. your dial. This is probably... My 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 greatest dream manifesting right now in front of in front of my eyes, ladies and gentlemen. I'm surrounded by all my idols, literally in front of me. This is Questlove Supreme only on Pandora. We have the world's greatest right in front of me. I'm gonna introduce you one by one. Starting up, we have Sir Kane, Big Daddy Kane. Hello, how are top you doing, show. sir? Top Sorry, show, King Asiatic, top show. 
Craig G is yes, in sir. the house. How are you, sir? This is amazing. MC Light is in the house. Ooh, good evening. Hello. Special Ed mm. is in the house. What it is like, Flatbush, Church Ave, Stand Up, E Hall. MC Search is in the house. White people stand up. <laughs> oh, shit. <no. laughs> we also have Benji Greenberg. From our roster records. Yep. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Pittsburgh. Did you bring me a, a Fermani Brothers sandwich? Oh, uh, I got to go back and get you one. Oh, Sorry wow. about that. And brother, Ayi El Kahar. I, I, I know I'm going to butcher your name, bro. It's cool. It's cool. No, no. Uh, it's Ayi El Kahar. I'm going to say it. Right. One more time. Ayi El Kahar. Ayi El Kahar. Ayi El Kahar. Yeah. Get your Jew right. I know. Man. I'm trying to. <laughs> one more time. Ayi El El Khair. El Khair. Yeah. yeah, there you go. I did it. It means return to goodness. The only Muslim with a Louis Vuitton scarf. Get it right. <laughs> Word up. Sexy Muslim. We are here to, uh, I guess, kick off or celebrate the Top Shelf project. I can't stress enough to our listeners how crucial the year of 1988 was for hip-hop history. And, you know, to hear of this project. First of all, this came out of nowhere, at least for me. I'd never heard of this the idea of can you give us who can who can best describe to me the the history of the top shelf 1988 project the genesis of it i'll take that um so i had moved to new york in 2000 was working um at a record company as an assistant Mm -hmm. and i was working on producing and writing music at nights and on the weekends and so i started making beats and i was getting better at producing and a mutual friend of me and Chris's um, introduced us, and Chris was big into digging for records and, mm-hmm. and all that. And so he came over one day, and we just made a track. And it ended up being the track. What, what was the first one we made? Uh, Grand Poobas. So anyway, we, we made we made a track, and we're like, "Oh, this is really dope." But it sounds like it's like 1988. This is in 2003. Okay. And he kept coming over, and we kept making beats. And all of a sudden, we had this this group of beats that we loved, and we didn't know what to do with them because you know. It wasn't like 50 Cent, who was popping off in 2003, was going to get on these beats that sounded like 1988. So we came up with this idea, like, what if we got like our idols from 1988 to somehow get on these records? And we didn't, I didn't know anybody, really. It was just like a dream. Um, and then we came up with this whole backstory of Top Shelf Studios and all the tapes were lost in the Tompkins Square Park riots. And we just sort of just, we were just just dreaming in my bedroom, literally just like coming up with this story to somehow give this project some context. And it wasn't even a project at the time. It was just a dream. And so um, uh, a friend of mine introduced me to Fab Five Freddy. um, And I went to it. We went to his house and we played him a bunch of beats. And Mm -hmm. um, he really liked it. He loved the concept of it, which was basically there was this, this studio from 1988 called Top Shelf. All the greatest artists came through there to record after shows, hanging out, whatever. And during the Tompkins Square Park riots, all the tapes were lost. And now... Crazy backstory, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, now, and now, 15 years later, in 2003, we find these records, right? But now it's 15 years after that because I didn't have... I, had, I, I was able to... We were able to make the record, but we, like, no one was interested in putting it out. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until we had success with Rostrum and were able to do it properly that it's now properly coming out um, 
now 30 years after the <laughs> fictional top shelf studios was was looted during the Tompkins Square Park riots. Wow. Well, yeah, I think it's only uh, apropos that you do it on an even number, which is 30 years into it. Yeah. So it seems like it's all come full circle. How did you how did you pitch this idea to to each to the artist? Yes, to each member. Uh well, I thought that by having Fat Five Freddy on my side would help. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> because if it's like 2003 and it's just like, hey, my name is Benji and I want to make this record, that's, you know, so it was a lot more effective to be like, hey, me and Fat Five Freddy, because he came on as an executive producer of it mm -hmm. back then. Um, you know, we're making this record and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and uh, people like the beats. I think that's what it came down to is people were feeling the energy of the project. I mean, you'd have to ask them, but to me it was like, you know, to 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 me it was a celebration of the music that that we grew up with and that we loved and what got me into music in the first place. Um and so I think people felt that energy or I hope they did, which was just like, it was a celebration and it was just like a cool concept idea and like, let's just all get together and make a record. So I have to ask, were, were the tracks initially made on an SB1200 or no? did we cheat a little bit? <laughs> we cheated a little bit. We cheated a little bit. We actually made them on an MPC 2000 XL. Okay, that's, that's close. And, uh, and... That's quasi-close. Um, yeah, yeah, so, you know... Um, but yeah, no, we didn't make it on SP. Well, definitely the spirit of 88 is in there. Like, I never thought I'd see the day where, you know, someone's spitting over something that's 108 BPMs, which, you know, for me, like, I mean, I'm I'm just a, a, a lover of, of, of fast rap. So even with Chub Rock's track, which yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, whoa. Like, the second I heard it, I was like, oh, there's no way he's going to map. And then he started, like, instantly yeah, 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 yeah. out the Went gate. Off. Yeah, so, absolutely. So I, I I have to ask this room. Um, there's there's one sort of common thread that's on almost every Questlove Supreme show, which um, I feel as though the the common denominator of all of you is, of course, the Latin Quarter, of which no one salivates more over Latin Quarter stories than oh I do. Oh my god. So, yeah, without my cohorts here who will make fun of me of doing this, I have to ask questions about the Latin Quarter. Tales from the Latin Quarter. Oh, yeah. Tales from the Latin Quarter. Mama. Tales from the Latin Quarter. <laughs> they literally, yeah, they made that jingle just for me because I they know I, I ask too many questions of it. But for me, I mean, I'd be remiss to, to not let any stories of 1988 go by without... Without Security. any Latin quarter. Latin quarter tells. First of all, was, was this room at all like socially? Because this is. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I'll oh, tell y'all, yeah. man. I'm too young to know what y'all. Yeah, I was gonna about. say. I don't think you. <laughs> yeah, no, but this room right. for sure. I don't know what y'all talking about. It's My pops really, told me about that spot. It's really funny. <laughs> actually, wait a minute. It's, you two are actually Juice Crew members. Right. Juice Crew All-Stars. Oh, my that. goodness. I was going to say... I was going to say, was Juice Crew members welcome a, in the Latin to Quarter? To agree with Ed, I was really young, but really? I, have, I have... Yeah, I mean, when... Um, I was, I, 
The symphony was out. But I, was, you had, I was 15. You had the shout joint when you were 14. And I was 12. You were 12 when you made the shout joint? Yes. And Jesus the, Christ. But here's the thing about Latin Quarters. I met Search in front of Latin Quarters when you had the Hey Girl song. Yep. And yes. the way I wound up in Latin Quarters was hey I used to... An- hey, boy. My bad. Yeah. Hey, boy. Yeah. I, I, I used to answer the phones at the rap attack for Mr. Magic. Okay. And... Some nights I would wind up in Latin quarters with Mr. Magic, underage, scared to death, and I remember bumping in the search in front of there. I remember seeing um, a couple of shows there, but I didn't go often, but I would wind up there coming from the radio station. So it was kind of weird that New York didn't really care about your age then, because I had to have been at least 14 years old. Well, they they made sure that you got a wristband for alcohol. So I was at Latin Quarters at 15, and it was okay. And I didn't even want (laughs) to be near the bar. Like It was so much going on just on a music front, seeing all the dancers and everything, that Mm -hmm. liquor was the last thing on on my mind. I agree. I mean, I, I wasn't even... I think I maybe went to the bar... I can probably count on one hand, and it was all five times we were red alert to have poo-poo juice because he would call us all to the bar, all the violators, and, and have poo-poo juice, which was uh, Myers rum, pineapple, and I forgot the third thing. But, um, yeah, so that was his drink, and I've never been anywhere in, in the world where they know how to make poo-poo juice except the Latin <laughs> Quarter and, and one bartender. Rest in peace, you know. Chris Lighty. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, Search is being modest because Search was the king of Latin quarters. <laughs> it's okay. like, you know, when when you come in Latin quarters, it's like just, you know, it's Red Alert, Paradise Gray, mm-hmm. MC Search. <laughs> <laughs> really? You know, yeah, that's how, that's how it, it falls. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like if you come in there and you don't see Search, you got, you got to think something is wrong. For real. I mean, it was like he was the king of Latin quarters. That's where I met him first. Like, really, like, like when he was the Hey Boy song. Like, I remember the night when Search walked in and Red threw it on and gave him love. And Search ran on the floor and started breaking it down, dancing, and everybody, and everybody was screaming for him. I was like, okay, you see, that's what I need to be doing. You know? For real. Yeah. Wait, now, you mentioned something great. You said that when you would go with Magic. But yeah. I'm under the impression that Latin Quarter was more red alert pro let red alert. <laughs> well which... now now the thing about it was is we're talking before the bridge wars. Like yeah. I we're talking when I had like the song Transformer out. Mm. That was a couple of years before the whole conflict started. So what was the f- official first year of the Latin Quarter that we know? Is it eighty six? Celebrity Tuesdays, eighty five. Tuesdays mm-hmm. in nineteen. Yeah. So eighty five. Yeah. yeah. The Celebrity Tuesdays with um Paradise and Lamumbo Carson. No, maybe. awesome too. Awesome too. Right. Awesome too. Right. And Paradise was wor- working. Yeah, yeah Paradise. But yeah. it was special. Right. That's exactly right. Special yeah. K and Teddy Ted had Celebrity Tuesdays. That's exactly right. Eighty five. Yeah. It was before like the whole drama started. So I would right. go with Magic, and the funny thing is, Magic would leave me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be in Latin quarters by myself, just like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> and I never went to the bar because I had my little rope chain on in the corner. And you know who I would see? I would see Hawk, uh-huh. and he would uh-huh. make me Hawk feel dog. safe. Hawk and dog yeah, and all he would, yeah. That was my brother because he would yeah. make me feel safe, and then I'd get a little confidence was, yeah. and hang out for a minute. <laughs> but He's it, talking about the guy that I'm going against in the Ain't No Half Stepping video with the braids. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. 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 Is this I, the Hawk that you... Gave a shout out to him, Wrath of Gang. Yeah. Yeah. That Hawk. Yes, okay. Tariq, I'm, I'm about to play you out one second. For half a second before he was a black thought, 
Tariq was Hawk. Hawk Smooth. <laughs> and his acronym was Hype African Warrior. Keep kicking it smooth. I'm well, sorry, Tariq. Is listening. I'm, I'm, I'm sure sorry, Tariq. Hype African Warrior. Keeping it smooth. I'm sorry. Good night. Good night. But it, pre- it predated the, the, the South Bronx bridge beef. So, you it. know what I mean? But that was kind of Brooklyn's. Yo, did you take the train from Far Rockaway there? Like, uh, I did. I that took the A to 42nd Street. Mission. I would take the A, so a to 42nd Street. Was, was Latin Quarter <laughs> the, the, was before the Latin Quarter, mm-hmm. was New York just regional then? Like, was this the first Manhattan party in which I mean, you for me, had to I leave mean, you your borough remember, to come to? For it? me, like, I was, so for me, 83 was Lindbrook, Hot Skates, Empire Roller Rink. Mm-hmm. United States of America and Queens. Like the only place to really hear hip hop was split between hip hop and dance music in the five boroughs. Well, Ro- and Roxy and Dance Interior, they Roxy were like, and Dance Interior. They were like before. But they that. were real strict about young boys going in there. Like yeah. they were real like you it was it was tough to get in there when you were young. Into Dance Interior? Yeah. yeah, you were getting your hip hop from the roller rinks. You're yeah, right about without that. question. Yeah. Skate without key. question. Oh. My Skate first key. Wow. Skate Empire. key. My first show at USA, I got booed. What? <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I got my first yeah. show yeah. at Empire Roller Rink. I got booed. Yeah, because I had a trash record called Melissa that was trash. The girl the only, is no, 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 no. but I could dance really good, so that would save me. But I, that record was trash because you got to remember, I went to high school with Dana Dana Slick Rick. So I thought if I came out with a British accent, I would be fly. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it was terrible. So I performed at Celebrity Tuesday because the awesome two were playing a record. And I went there and I got on stage and people were looking at me like I'm an alien. So I started dancing and they were like, go, white boy, go, white boy. So I was like, oh, okay. Like this, I'm saved. Like I figured it out. Like I could be whack, but I could dance. Okay. And then Vanilla <laughs> Ice came and just, you know, took that whole stee. But uh-huh. I decided to kind of grow and have lyrics and, you know, become something better than just As, a dancing and MC. I see. Wait, you said you got, how? What, what song though? Uh, well, I, I'll never forget it. It was again with Mr. Magic. Joe <laughs> <laughs> so Love was performing, and I wasn't even supposed to perform. And something happened technically where Magic just threw me on the mic, and no DJ knew what was going on or nothing. And I had to kick a acapella, and they weren't really friendly with acapellas back then because it was dancers. So. You know, about eight bars in, I, I think I'm kicking some hard rhymes. This is, again, before I heard Kane and I threw, like, seven rhyme books away. Yep. Right. So my rhyme Damn. was mad basic. And like I said, I mean, I just wasn't good. And I was nervous as hell. Again, I'm, like, 14 years old. I don't know no better. But it didn't deter me. You know what I mean? But it was weird because when he mentioned USA, it was, like, one of the re- – like, in Queens, everybody came to USA. Yep. But growing up in Queensbridge, the re-center – was almost like a celebrity spot. So you had mad people come through. I remember being 10 watching Grandmaster, I mean, Grand Wizard Theater cut with handcuffs on. Mm. And I'm like 10 years old, like with my sheepskin on, just amazed at it. So I seen a lot of stuff. But my brother, my grandmother lived across the street from Harlem World and Foster Projects. And my brother would come home. The thing about New York back then is it wasn't as regional as you thought. There was somebody from any borough at any show. It didn't matter how far away it was. Brooklyn was always somewhere. So 
I would get firsthand copies of like the Fantastic Five Crow Crush Battle. So I would say like even before Latin Quarters, like Harlem World was the spot. Like we like you had to be nice to perform at Hall. I wanted to perform at Harlem World when I didn't even write rhymes. I just mm-hmm. was rhyming off the top of the head nonstop. And I was like, Harlem World's the spot until I wound up at Latin Quarters scared to death or Union Square. Cause I was always by myself. Magic would I'd get in his car with him and then he'd break out. <laughs> just leave. <laughs> Union Square was my first spot so outside just, of Brooklyn. Really? Yeah. My first hip hop spot outside of Brooklyn. That came Matter of fact, Rock Kim. Yeah. Yeah, Rock Kim. Wow, I used spot. to just go to Empire. I ain't going nowhere. I was a kid. I walked to Empire and walked back home. Okay. Yeah. So we just was in the hood, local, local spots, little parties in the hood and stuff like that, block parties. But yeah, Rock Kim was at Union Square. My brother won tickets on the radio. Yeah, really? we went. Yeah, we went. And, you know, we, we never stopped going. We was like, oh, shit. So even after Youngest <laughs> in Charge came out and legal, I don't, I don't know what the last official year of Latin Quarter was, but. 1988. Damn. Okay, so. Yep, that was it. And it's, it's really a very sad story because it's, <laughs> I don't think I've ever told this story, but. Um, no, don't cry, though, son. Yeah, nah. So me. Fat Raul, who was the, the original DJ, mm-hmm. um, we came in there on a Thursday night, just kind of was me, Chris Lighty, may he rest in peace, Big Daryl, um, Red, and we just strolled up in there on a Thursday night. Mm-hmm. And Fat Raul was DJing, and we were going to turn it into a hip-hop night. We were just like, yo, we're here, like, let Red get on the turntable. It and wasn't a hip hop night. No, or for Thursdays, no, this particular Thursday was not a hip hop night. And what it was, was, what was a that in gay in, cabaret night? And what you was just, you doing? It? You just decided? <laughs> no, no, no. You don't understand. Like we, we were just, we were just rolling I'm around the with, city. I'm messing with you. Son. It's no. I need to verify, <laughs> baby. Like be clear. Like I'm verifying. I'm like, I'm like Twitter with no, a check mark no, right now. Yo, I need to oh, be verified. You, right you ain't had to tell this story, so, man. You no, <laughs> no. I, I think it's important. No, I got you, like I got we, you. we no, on, we on. You know, we no. on Quest Love Supreme. We need to get Supreme. So, um, so I spazzed out. Like I was. I think. You know, I'd been smoking or whatever, and I spazzed out, and I told all the people that wasn't B-Boys to get out. And I said something real derogatory about gay people. Right. And I was like, if you ain't a B-Boy, you need to get out. And Big Daryl, he just got charged, and he went downstairs, and there was this cock diesel dude with his man, and we went up to him, and this dude knocked Daryl out, laid him out flat, and... Baby Chris grabbed me, put me in Mike Goldberg's office, and he said, you stay here. Mm-hmm. And then things started flying. Things started flying. I was in there for like an hour, like an hour just sitting there. I came out, place was trashed, empty. Mike Goldberg was heated, told Red never come back, told us never come back. And I come outside, and Chris and Daryl and... um. Ali and Red are just sitting on Chris's Maxima, mm-hmm. just sitting there. And on the corner of um, 47 the Broadway, and they were like, search, go home. I was like, nah, they were like, search, go home. Damn. 
And that was it. That was, that the, was last the end night. of the Latin Quarter. That was last night. Wow, that's crazy to even hear. Because, yeah, you know, we just that. knew that it was closed. It was like, what the hell happened? And, yeah. I, and what we did it knew at that afterwards? point Union Square, sh- the Sheraton Hotel. Uh, <laughs> we knew that Parking Union Square had kind of taken up, you know, a lot of the slack. And it was younger and fresher and everything. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that was the reason why. Yeah, Mike, Mike shut it down. That's crazy. He shut it down. Jeez. I just thought it was all the stuff that happened when you left that closed it down. No, and you know, it's funny because you talk about Hawk and Dog Kane. Like, Hawk, Dog, A-Rock, the original 50. Original 50 Cent, Killer Ben, but Killer Big Shy, all of those dudes. From when when I was in the quarter and they were about to do their thing, the one thing I loved about those dudes is they would tell me, search. Yeah, that's what Hawk would tell me. Like, yeah. always protected like me like I, I was a little quest, cousin. Like I said. Which Red. leads me to this question. You knowingly would, I don't mean risk your life, yeah, but hip-hop yeah. was so potent back then. Yep. <laughs> no, that you, even you I mean, basically, you're playing Russian roulette. Yep. You don't know yeah. what's going to pop off. I, yeah. I because what would happen, no, 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 what would happen, and I'm sorry, pardon self, what would happen was... The quarter got so big, right? The, the the rep got so big that the tunnel kids would come from Jersey, Connecticut, Long Island. The bridge it became a feeding market right. for Brooklyn and for Uptown. And these girls from Hempstead would come in and they had the big errands and these they were showing out. Right. And it was like it was it was a shopper's paradise, man. Like hog dog, Decepticons, like they just they went in. And they would just give you the high sign. And there were certain records when they came on, Ultramagnetic, either Ultramagnetic came on or um, Rebel Without a Pause. Ghostessa. 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 They do the dance with the kick in the circle. Yep. That yeah. was it. That yeah. was it. That was it. Yeah. There was yeah. always something that yeah. was going to happen. You just wanted to get enough dance time yeah. in before mm-hmm. it did. Yeah. Quest. So when that drum roll comes in on Stetsa, Ghost you, knew, you knew it was like Brooklyn's in the house yep. mm-hmm. or top billing. Top you billing. knew to chuck, tuck your stuff. Yo, yeah. tuck, it wasn't even, you didn't have time to tuck it. Like IOU would be in the middle of the floor. So it'd be Fatima and Shake and Stretch and all of them. All the dancers. As soon as, Stretch was J.A.C. Right. Um, J.A.C. That's, that's school. That school. Yeah. School. School. So school. Lays. Right. Lays. Um, Reggie. Reggie. Um, What's it doing with Nice and so, Smooth? Mike um, Swift, Mike Swift, Mike Swift, Mike Swift. Yeah. yeah. And as soon as that record came on, pew, IOU was Jay's gone. And what would come in the middle of that crowd was every hoodlum that we knew, mm. and we were already back. <laughs> and Yo. somebody's and feathers were just, from their coat was flying. Oh, yeah, that's flying. What yeah. And girls were yeah. you're running out screaming because they were bleeding from the ears because their bamboos got yanked. I, yo, and I don't know who it was. I'm not even going to point no fingers because I'm not getting thrown under the bus. But somebody from Decepticons, I remember when they went after Jam Master Jay. God That's what I was about to bring up. Yep. Mm. Yo, rest in peace, Jam Master Jay. Yep. Kept his. Kept his. Kept yep. his. Word. They dragged yeah. him across the dudes floor. on his back. Yeah. They, yo. Kept his. Yep. He he had the chain with the Adidas yeah, the thing Adidas on. Adidas sneaker saw another yep. day. And Marv. And Marv, may he rest in peace, he was with him. Hollis Crew was with him. And whoever tested him. Hurricane, too. Hurricane was Hurricane. Yeah. And whoever tested him. And I mean, that's one of the few times I remember bullets flying in the quarter. Like, you would hear them. 
like going past your ear and you saw like and he's holding on and Hollis crew and he's hold, and they're trying to pull it off of his neck mm. and they're dragging him across the dance floor it's done i mean there's nobody there except for Hollis crew and those dudes and he kept his you remember when jim brown would run for a touchdown yeah. <laughs> and you see like four or five dudes on his back yeah that's how it looked Jesus like, Christ. Jay yeah. kept his, though. No, it was and a yet, crazy. And every, every week, y'all be yeah. like, we going back Three to Latin Quarter. Yes. But you Three know, you know what's crazy, though, Quest? Like, you, you you wasn't at After Midnight in Philly? Like, you never... Like, no, let, me, let me tell you something. I know, yeah, I, I know you... <laughs> Listen, yeah, when they shut down New York, that's Kane, where we went. Kane, we had to go to Kane After Midnight. Had, Kane had the anniversary show, and he had Divine Sounds on it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Ooh, right? And... I'll never forget this because I posted it the day after because I took a picture with them. I was having a conversation and I heard the intro, five plus five, and whoever was talking to me, I jetted off and ran to the stage because what I remember from that song was being at USA and they B-Fats open for them and they came mm. on and did that song and when they said, we're defined sounds and we're back again, somebody started shooting. And this is the, the crazy thing is this is not about being gangster or none of that. I loved hip hop so much. I wasn't mad at the gunshots. I was mad I did not get to hear the song finished being performed. That's exactly right. Or yeah, like we we I was in a lot of dangerous places because of hip hop, you know, like and I was totally oblivious to it because I just wanted to hear the music. That's exactly right. So that's exactly I, I remember going to Zanzibar. To see you perform, it was a Juice Crew night. It was Shantae, it was you, it was Master Ace, it was Zanzibar. Y'all didn't even make the stage. They played, they played Lean On Me. And that place got shot up before y'all even, probably even got in the limo. How about Sensations, though, with the little small hallway? That one hallway. Sensations was... That, that was the first was place nightmare. we performed the symphony. Yes, the first, yeah, first place that, we ever performed the symphony. That small hallway, man. Like yeah. a lot of stuff happened from that dressing room to the yeah. stage. Not, yeah. But I, re- I remember all those places. I want to remember. How, I want to know how you remember all that stuff, man. Like I don't. It's. it's I think in your when your heart. life is it's on in the line, heart. you it's, can't forget it. I no, remember I mean, the venues. Yeah. I remember the names of the venues, but I can't. Oh, I, I actually can't. Can't. He got just a memory said the like small a, hallway. Yeah, yeah sensations yeah, in Newark. That one little with the glass mirrors. I mean, I, I, I see it yeah. so vividly. I remember, I remember the staircase. I remember at you performing at Hinchcliffe Coliseum in Patterson, New Jersey, with KRS, Boogie Down Productions, Audio Two, You, Roxanne. I got 34 seconds on stage to do a portion of something. <laughs> okay. I mean, and it was the stage was on the 50 yard line. I was, and the crowd I, I was like there. a thousand miles away. It was like the Beatles at Shea yeah. Stadium. And there was like <laughs> there was like two thousand people in this stadium of maybe ten thousand people. Mm. And it was the greatest show. I I I mean, I thought hip hop had reached its pinnacle. You know what I'm saying? Because really? it was like eighty-seven or something. And there was actually like people in the middle of an outdoor stadium coming to a show because, you know, we were doing like, you know, Clothes. but we also doing the spectrum. We were doing Madison Square Garden. Philly, you know, New York 87 War. was really starting, <laughs> you know, to pop off like that. Mm-hmm. You know, Run DMC and the Beastie Boys, they sold out the garden, you know, Fat Boys. right. All of that. But to see like people in an outdoor arena, like a stadium, stadium, it was like mind blowing. 
Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through... It's true magic, because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. For you, what were the like the most notable performances that occurred? I, I've heard the the Karis one versus Melly Mel thing, whatever. I've, I've heard that story. But what were, in your mind, like what was the consummate, unbeatable performance at... Um, I would honestly say, to be honest with you, it would be when I first saw Public Enemy. Right? Oh my God! I was getting ready to say Public yeah. Enemy at Latin Quarters. Yeah, that the was the first time, or the Rebel Without a Pause time, though. Was it Rebel Without I a Pause, or was it, that... or was it Public Enemy Number, number one. one? Yeah, one, yeah. it was that one. And yeah. he said, "I remember he, <laughs> I remember him saying, I feel like I'm on a goddamn shelf.'" Because the stage <laughs> was so high. shallow, yeah. yep. it was yeah. very high and it wasn't very that shallow. deep. And, and the it, bass it, from that beat was rattling the club. Yeah. I'd never. But what you guys don't remember, but you guys don't. Was two things. One thing was the first time they ever performed there 
right. was for their Yobum Russia show album. Right. They got booed off stage. Like we were throwing batteries at them. They oh, were terrible. That was before. Uh, yeah. yeah. No. 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 That was no. Was no. And then literally a year later, that's when it I was, was a there. Rap. Okay. Yeah. But I remember, like for me, like to me, the shows that I remember were the transformation shows. I remembered the audio too doing I Like Cherries. I like cherries because cherries taste better and grapes are sour. That was their first Was that a hit at the Latin Quarter? No. No. I was going to ask. No, it wasn't, but they did that at Latin Quarter? Yes, the first time Audio 2 ever performed. Oh, before Top Billing? A year yes, before. absolutely oh, before. A Tom year Miller. before. They came out the box with I Like Cherries? Yes. yes. Oh, no. Yes. What they happened? dropped I Like Cherries before I met them. Okay. And I'll, and I'll no, accept I'm that. I'm saying I, I, I'll, I'll <laughs> accept that. You don't, you don't co-sign I Like Cherries. That's fine. And that's fine. But I, those transformations are the things that I remember the best because that was 87. And then they went to Top Billing and the place went bonkers. But you know what? So you know out of the box, Top Billing was just... An absolute Top Billing was the second yeah. Oh, yeah. Was Top Billing was immediate. Yeah. It was immediate. Immediate. Yeah. I got was my deal song. because of Top Billing. That was immediate. Song. Mm-hmm. But let me correct myself, honestly. It wasn't the public enemy show, and I keep it 100. The goddamn Juice Crew show at the Apollo. When Biz came out, no, I think knows, he used some Atlantic quarters. Though. I meant Atlantic quarters. Oh, Atlantic quarters. Oh, Atlantic quarters yes. oh, it was public. I thought you meant period. Like, okay. yeah. it might have been the Juice Crew show at the Apollo. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Biz came out of a giant nose. Kane came swinging down from a damn ivory bench. I don't know. Remember when you came? This was the first time I seen a production. Like, And I'm down with these dudes. And I remember them not wanting me to perform Drop This came out of a nose? A giant nose. a big nose on stage. First, boogers start dropping out. And then Biz fell out. And Biz fell out. I'll tell you another great show that I remember. It was Winter. It was cold. It was cold. And this was when Emerald City and Red Parrot were doing hip-hop nights. And they had a really interesting way to get to the club because the stairs came from the the upstairs. Right? (laughs) And that was really like a Juice Crew spot. Like, that was Mm -hmm. Magic's home. That was like, that was a Juice Crew house. Like, Mm -hmm. they were there every week. But Roxanne and Biz did their record. I'm Shantae, I'm a, right? Mm-hmm. So they're at the Red Parrot, and I'm looking at the watch, and I'm like, oh, I got to get to the LQ. I run to the LQ, um, you know, having a good time, blah, 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 blah. And then everything goes dark, and we think, oh, power went out or something. And then all you hear is Vic, 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 and then Biz walked out. And then Shantae walked out in a full-length fur, and it was a wrap. It was a rap. <laughs> it was a rap. I really? there are very few shows that I remember where people went that crazy. That was a rap. Were these shows in which people would just perform their single and that was it? Yep. Or was it a full Yo, people would just show up and perform and leave. Yeah. You would just come in, Two get songs busy. Max. Max. Yeah. And really? leave. The B yeah. side and the A side. And you were happy. <laughs> B, you were so happy. You were so happy. I mean, the, and, I, and I hate to parlay it into this, and I'm not trying to, but like what makes 88 the golden era is because of this. It's because like everything kind of accumulated up 
You know what I'm saying? Like 85 and 86 with Rakim and Kane and the Kane and Rakim battles, you know, not battles like beef, but battle who is the better MC and G-Rap with I'm fly, rolling up my tinted window, raise my antenna because I'm not only fly, but I'm a break bread winner. Like, oh my God, Queens represent you. You know, and it was like all of this movement, movement, movement in 88, like Time to set it straight, you know what I'm saying? Ain't no half-stepping word. I'm ready. Like, when he said that, when Kane said that, like, it was, it. we were ready. Like, it wasn't just him ready. We were ready. We were ready to be greater than the sum of what we were in the streets of our boroughs. I think 88 was like, you know, transformation, you know, period, you know. Um, like, during, like, the mid-80s, what was going on was, like, during the time of the show and uh, a, a lot of that, it was, like, really, like, the hip-hop, party era where um you know a lot of the hip-hop dancers played a major part and the whole crowd participation that interaction thing you know it was that that party feel um that like cats like your um busy b dj hollywood love bug starsky were doing at regular parties back in the days now it's like on wax um that way but then in comes, you know, um, brothers, uh, I think uh, Rakim was first and then KRS and then myself. And it started turning into a lyrical thing, you know. And I think at, at that point, you know, a lot of people were, you know, like really like s- stepping their game up lyrically. And the MC, his presence was really, really being felt, you know. Because, I mean, if you think about it, you know, back then, any artist that came out with his DJ, right. the DJ name came first. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince, mm-hmm. Eric B and Rakim, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, you know? It was like the artist was making their presence felt. Okay, so from each of you, what song during that period did you hear that just made you, that just transformed your whole artistic approach? Like... You hearing something like Jay, Jay will always still this day talk about him hearing who shot you for the first time in in his car and that totally transforming his life and his whole approach to how we how he was going to be as it as an MC. And I mean, I've, I've heard this countless of times with different songs, but for you guys, which is the class of 88, 89, because me as a consumer. I cannot think of another year in which week after week after week was just some life-changing shit coming out every week. Literally, like, I mean, at least 24, 25 classic albums, like career-defining albums that year alone. So for you guys that are actually participating in it, was it was it a thing of like, oh, I'm a fan of it, or were you like, did you feel a certain way when you heard lyrics of Fury or like, damn, like, all right, I got to come with it. And like, what, what song from a peer of yours that made you feel a certain way? Like, damn, like I got to come. It's this damn guy right here, man. Like I, I, I being having access to Molly, you hear stuff early. And I think he had that little silver cougar and I get in the car and he puts this tape in and I hear set it off. And I was just like, okay, man, um, I gotta go home. Just put <laughs> burn all my rhyme books. The old one two rhyme rhyme step, and it's over. It's done. It's done. And then I remember 
this dude, I used to go out, like I said, I used to answer the phones at BLS, and I would come in early and listen to all the new records. Mm-hmm. I've never heard a special ed in my entire life then, and I put his album on, and the same way he was doing it with bars, but it was like effortless, like he was talking to you, mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit, man. See, now that, I can't be Kane. I can't be Ed, but I could be myself because Ed is being himself. He's dropping ill bars, but it sounds like he's not breaking a sweat. Exactly. Exactly. So there was a lot of moments in in those times, not just 88, but in those few, that little corner of years, 88, 89 and all. Like MCs went from, you know, just the basic pattern of a regular bar in the cadences, rapping three words in one sentence and... It was like, okay, wait, um, you know, I started with shout, well, listen, everybody, my name is Craig G. I was like, okay, well, um, that style is done. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do that. When I heard set when I heard set it off. Oh, I know. Oof. I, I I was like, okay, man. And not even and even before set it off. I can't hold it back. That one mm. I was like, yo, these dudes is rhyming like and the funny story, I always tell this story, you know, I was at the studio when Rakim did Eric B. as president. Shan mixed that song. Mm-hmm. And we were laughing at him. Because Word? he was punching in each line. And I'm not saying that's anything against him as a rapper. Maybe he didn't know how to record in the studio then. Right. And we were like, this is terrible. Like, I didn't know. And then when I heard it, like, a week later, Marley was turning records around in, like, a week the next week on the radio, I heard it. I was like, that is not the goddamn same song I was sitting in the studio listening to. <laughs> and I'll tell you, that that moment, I used to hang out with Eric a lot in the quarter, and I used to drive him out to wine dance. He had a, a old little shorty that he had in wine dance, and because he thought I lived in the <clears throat> five towns, I lived near wine dance right. in Long Island, which was like two hours out of my way. And But right. I was just, you know, I just wanted to hang out with Eric B. Right. He gave me a white label of Eric B for president on Zakia Records. And I listened to it and when I heard um sitting on the couch with my feet up, you think I'm lazy, you must be crazy, you thought I was a donut, you tried to glaze me. I threw every rhyme book I had in the in the trash. And I'll never forget the next day I went to see some homeboys that I just graduated high school with. Right. And I said to him, I said to my man, G-Man Holt, may he rest in peace. I was like, yo, you heard that, Eric B. for president? And we both said, thought I was a donut. You tried to glaze me. It was the craziest shit I ever heard. And then a month, two months later, this knucklehead comes out and changes the whole game. I mean, Wrath of Cain was another point in my career where I just, for a minute there, I was like, yeah, I, I... I can't do this. I can't. I just. I, me <laughs> we, personally, I can't do this. I, I, seen, I can't do this. I seen Rafa Kane change Tariq's life. Um, one of one of Lady B's apprentice um, was in high school with me, so he used to answer phones at Power ninety nine in Philly. So he'd often bring in like promotional twelve inches and all that stuff. So we heard like stuff ahead of time. But man, we were in fifth period. And he was at the door of school, and he held up. We saw the cold chill in them mm-hmm. logo, and he was like, rooftop now. Somehow we excused ourselves from English class. 
went to the rooftop and he says, you got to hear this shit. And he, like, I'll never forget the collective jaw drop of 12 of us cutting various classes or whatever. Like, lunch period was different for something like 11th little, graders. We had a little blue school record player. Yeah, we had like a little preschool, <laughs> the preschool joint. Crosby, music. the Crosby turntable. <laughs> yes. Like yeah. And we were just staring at, we did not know what that shit was Yo, like. I'll, we I'll, just, I'll tell Light something that you don't even know. When you did I'm Not Having It with Paz K, I cut off K Love for like the rest of my life. Because wait, when I. Wait, what? Yeah, because when Hey Love, when I did Hey Boy with K Love, like I wanted to do a record like that with her. And she was fronting, like she was like, yeah, I'm not, you know, nobody's trying to hear all that. And then y'all came out with that. And I was like, yo, Chica, you, I can't fuck with you. Like, I can't <laughs> fuck with you. Like, see that? We could have done that. Like, we could have done that. That, to me, was the greatest duet, top five dead or alive. That duet is just still to this day incredible. What was the B-side to Cram to Understand You? What was it called again? Take It Light? No. no. Um, B-side. Had the ill bounce beat to it. I used to call Awesome 2 and request it. <laughs> <laughs> I used to call the Awesome 2... A- I used to call the awesome two and request records too. Four o'clock in the morning, yep. they came on Tuesday. No, yep. the B side to a Kram to understand you was take it light. Was yep. it take it light with the ill? Was, yo, uh, I used to call Eddie Kendrick. I, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I used to call and request. I used to call the awesome two at four thirty in the morning on a Tuesday morning. <laughs> when take your it mom, light. When, You're right. When, take it light. When, if your mom's caught you on the phone, she would whoop that <laughs> ass. And I would be calling and I'd be whispering into the phone. Yo, Molly, Molly lives in my building. <laughs> <laughs> Can I hear fresh by the fresh three MCs? Like hip hop, you know, you're drawn to it, man. Like with the violence, all of that was like secondary. I just wanted to hear hip hop. I wanted to hear dudes rhyming and to make me feel like I wasn't crazy for doing it. <laughs> is there a record like and I always wanted to ask you this, but is there a record that you wrote that you even stepped back and you were like, gave yourself a high five. Yo, that you were like, man, the most high gave me this right here because this is crazy. No, I think he was too in it. He probably was too in it to know, right? Probably Mortal Kombat on my second. Mm. Mortal Kombat. Really? Yeah, because it was just that, just one line that just had me like, Okay, yeah, I'm in a special place right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I remember being in the zone. When I wrote Gas Face, I was in the zone. When I wrote Black Cat is Bad Luck, Bad Guys Wear Black, must have been a white guy that started all that. I literally stopped for a minute, and I was like, yeah, I'm never going to write a better rhyme like this. Mm-hmm. Mine was, was <laughs> the um, none of or in front of, because every one of my adversaries lack, your little son of obituary columns, a region name. Quest, let me ask you a question, though. Yes. What is your favorite MC Light song? I'm going to tell you something. I can answer that. No, I do you listen, know? I, yeah. Listen, he... I'm gonna tell you something. See, as a drummer, mm-hmm. I've never heard. I mean, Paper, Paper Thin's Thin. the the first song with the rim shot was used. Oh, everything was snare drum, hard yep. snare drums. Mm-hmm. And again, it was. I mean, for me to to. To get a what I call a War of the Worlds moment, which is Orson Welles' War of the Worlds, where people thought it was a real aliens yeah. attack and people staring at the radio like, what the fuck is going on? 
when I heard that song, I was, yo, I, I, that was one of the, for me, even as a drummer, I was just like, yo, I, I didn't know you were allowed to do that. You can rhyme over a rim shot. You don't have to play drums. <laughs> you can play rim shots. This shit. And it's crazy. Literally, the, the rim was hitting hard though. I mean, yeah, the, the, the drums. Is, and for what, me, what the that? way the way that Tariq and I bonded, like Tariq thought it was such a novelty for a human being to like recreate shit. So to like get girls, Tariq would be calling like a, Tariq would call my crib at like eleven o'clock, which is like way past high school hours for your parents. Like my dad was like Joe Jackson drill sergeant. <laughs> Don't nobody call this house after nine PM, like that sort of thing. Tariq would call like at eleven, like, yo, like on three way. Have a joint on the on the other line. He'd be like, yo, run, run in the basement real quick and play um play set her off real quick. I bet you he don't know how to play set off. Yeah, he can play set off. Like, yo, man, my dad like might start riffing. Just play us off, man. Just go like literally that was his thing. Like I bet you can't play, and he would call and be like, "Yo, play, play, um, play paper thin real quick. Like, just call girls up. Like, I'm gonna get a mirror <laughs> to play. <laughs> Even in school where we were, he would battle MCs uh, in the cafeteria on the sixth floor, and all the instrumental majors were in the basement, and we weren't using the elevator. And I had this little Casio SK1 thing, so. The way that my dweeb ass was allowed to sit with the cool kids was I provided the break beats, beats. and not and not the <laughs> punching line. They would they would take an order. They'd be like, "All right, run downstairs and play um play funky drummer real quick." So I had to run Are downstairs. You <laughs> that was I was the apprentice. Like that's how I earned my way into. That's how Tariq and I became a group. And literally, like you have like one point seven seconds to get like a good four bar out of it. So you would have to pay twice as fast. Okay, that's good. Run upstairs. And then he'd be like, no, I'm going to do top billing real quick. <laughs> Run down. Sit. That was me every day at Performing Arts High School. Mm. Like, boys and men were in the bathroom harmonizing. But me and Tariq were literally. Now, now as an actual. I met them in as, college. As an actual really? drummer, did you have Sinsonic drums? Did you have those? The Mattel since I, yes, yes. I got that for Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember them. I was doing playing rock on that night, day and night, night and day. You, you know, yeah. you know, you know, my favorite song from your catalog, right? Um, no. Ten percent this. Oh, thank you. And yo, I where is intro though? Who, who was that? Nat Robinson saying, "Who's beat? Did no, you steal this?" No, that was Mr. Stu- Magic. Really? Okay, can you explain the genesis of the Impeach the President and Antoinette and how this can whole I, thing started? Can, can I answer that quickly? Duck alert, I, I always accuse Herb of being a beat biter because when Kane did Raw, I felt like Kid and Play did Do This My Way, and mm-hmm. we used to talk about it on the radio. I know you did. <laughs> yeah. Really? I, I didn't yeah, have he was in, talking in Kid to and him. Play Defense, though, huh? they picked up... Um, that that record, I think, the same day I picked up the beat ah, for Raw. Okay, yeah, see, but I I I I, I said it in Doug Alert. I was like, Herb's a beat biter, so we always made fun of it, and maybe that's where you got magic. Oh no, saying that's it where we got it. Yeah, we taped it. So you guys must really be perplexed now in 2018, where it would behoove the artist to actually mirror a track that sounds similar to what came out before. I would welcome it now, actually, because it all I sounds mean, like one record to me. 
Yeah. I mean, you know, the one thing that I love about this top shelf record when I when I heard it, when I heard Light's record on this record, listen up everybody mm-hmm. I'm Light the MC. Five foot and I'm yo, know, I started crying. Like I started literally crying because it was like, oh my gosh, she took me to eighty eight. And like there's very few times this year I got like emotional over records. And one of them was watching Nas do Illmatic with the Kennedy, you know, Philharmonic. Right. Like I lost my shit when I watched Illmatic and and a 300 piece orchestra. But that simple little record, like her rhyming like she was 17 again on a record that just came out like five days ago. I was like, like. The Indian man in in the garbage commercial man. <laughs> with I was a like, single tear. Yeah, I was wow. definitely like all, that that First of all, still to this day, you know, I mean, how many people can you say still sounds that hungry on the mic? Yeah, you know, but I all mean, of y'all. But I mean, with all due respect, your your record on this, yo, B, you went in, man. You went in, well, thank Kane. You, my you went thank in. You. Ed went in. Drez went in. Doug's record's incredible, and they were dancing and singing and moving to, I mean, yo, every record sounds like this celebration of 88, and that, and it's why I went so hard, you know what I mean? Like, just from a, a marketing and promotion perspective, it's like, yo, this it just sparked something in me and, and like, put a battery in my back that I'm like, yo, there's, there's, a, there's a wealth of opportunity here for these brothers, for these icons and these legends to get back out there. And so what's the plan now that the, the album is out? What's the, the ongoing future plan for this project? Is this just well, good a morning, one and, America, a one and done? I mean, you know, I told Light this, and uh, I, told, I didn't tell you this. Well, I told you over the phone a little bit. But you'll but, hear it now on, on but, the air. Yeah, no. But, but <laughs> no, no, no. But my concept for the performance... On Good Morning America is a small sample of what I want the tour to be. Mm-hmm. Because how we listened and absorbed hip hop is way different than rock guys did. Because rock guys had radio 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. The Beatles could, you could hear the Beatles 600 times a week on 52 stations between New York and, and Philly. Mm-hmm. So the music was absorbed by that boomer generation in a way that was very traditional. So when they continued to kind of repitulate that music, it was, it, was, it was easy. It's not easy for us. There was nothing easy about 85 to 92, 93. It was three hour spurts. Mm-hmm. And the only time you really heard music was how it was blended together. You'd go from Kane, to Audio 2, to Rob Bass and Easy Rock, to MC Light, to a promo, to da-da-da-da-da. So I feel like it's time to engage that essence, if I can't, like, and bring that out on, on the road, and that's kind of the top-shelf tour and how I see it, you know, in the spring. And, and, and again, not to blow these two knuckleheads up that are right here, blow them up, man. but... but Benji, like, he's spending money like it's a Wiz Khalifa record. I mean, with all due respect, and I'm not trying to dig in his pockets. I'm really not. But, like, the patience and the presence of mind to do what he's doing on the level that he's doing it, no one's done it for these icons. 
No one, like never, it's never happened. All right, y'all, you know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I got a question for Benji and him. Yes. Being from Pittsburgh, right? Mm-hmm. How did, what was y'all, y'all inspiration behind the beats? Like, did y'all get tapes from New York? Or, like, because a lot of the beats <clears throat> are in the pocket in that 88 sound. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So... Mm-hmm. What was your inspiration behind the beats? Like, I was from New York. I was born oh, okay. here, and, and I grew up in Jersey. And okay, um, so you had heavy access to it. Yeah, I used to watch Video Music Box every day after school. Mm. So I mean, it was, it was part of my y'all. my childhood. So, mm-hmm. and f- you know, for me, from from Pittsburgh, we didn't have Video Music Box. But we had Romani sandwiches. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I had to. No, you had a local video show. I forgot homeboy's name, but yeah. you had a local video show. Mm. The the kid that was on Buzz, BZZ mm. had like a a video show. Mm. Not MC. Reggie Reg. Um, the DJ that was on, uh, not Z A K. That's on Cleveland. There's a dude. That, yeah, there's a dude in Pittsburgh. I don't know if you remember him, Kane, but he this, had a video show. This guy's a wealth of knowledge. I was just wondering. <laughs> Yeah, like you remember M- all the search. Yeah, you yeah. write, you write it down. Yo, or what? No, no, no. Yo, <laughs> for me, like, like a scholar that I got this here, ghetto pass that these black men and women allowed me to make this music. Like, if I don't remember everything, it would be a disrespect to the people that allowed me to go into the quarter, that allowed but, me to go into Union Square. I mean, turn it like turn it just to one eighty. Like Hawk could have just snuffed me the second I walked in there. Fuck out of here, white boy. It right, would have but, been simple. Yeah, but you know what? In the beginning of hip hop, man, hip hop was for the not black or white or Puerto Rican. It was for everybody. We was all involved in it mm-hmm. because it was music. It was a rhythm. It was something that that brought together all the people from the hood that ain't have nowhere else to go or something to to have in common. 
it was a way to communicate and a way to party together. Y'all had your different crews coming together, partying together without beef. And and I respect that, but B, I ain't seen Nan white boy in any park jam that I ever went to from 1980 to 1986 except for Vanilla B aka Blake Latham aka Lord Scotch aka Kiway K like I saw Nan white people anywhere even then you were literally the 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 one white person at the Black only court. white person there was a joke understanding and mathematics who used to do the big parties in, in prospect park when the, the five percenters used to get together you remember that understand it had this big book of life and he'd come on in i i used to sneak into prospect park and watch the five percenters break yo he would say that search is the only white person except police at the park gym <laughs> <laughs> okay I mean, I st- yo, there were nan white people, and that's why I got so mad. Like, I would, I mean, I got mad. Like, '86, like a group came out on Select Records called BMOC, and it was a guy named Shecky Green and this other dude. And they I'm like, wait, Shecky? They were on Capital, actually. No, you, no, no, you, no, they weren't. They weren't Select. About, I, you talking I, about Prospect or Fort Green Park? I'm sorry. You talking about Prospect or Fort Green Park? Prospect. Prospect. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, they was on Capital. No, they wasn't. I used no, to, the BC um, boys were on Capitol. Shecky's no, first group that. was yep. called yeah, BMOC. Bad Men on Campus. Yeah, yep. yeah. They were and before the white boys. He was on yep. Hollywood. Yeah. Same time. I'm about Same to time. look and it then up. The white boys on, and then oh, the white sure. boys. And I'm like, all this corny shit. Like, yo, fuck out of here. Excuse my they language. They had the like, rugby but I was shirts like, on. You know on what I'm saying? Color. Like, yo, Does it was. He know it was that I said no, shut the fuck up. No, I know you did, but I just, you know, it's disrespectful. And my daughter Mia is here. Like, I don't, you know. But it's like, you know, like I just don't want. I was mad. Like, I was mad. Like, you can't come in here. Like, you don't know what I went through. Like, I was battling in Vandermeer projects. I was van, I was pink houses. Like, I was tearing dudes down for money and like getting shot at. Like, don't come in here with some Connecticut nonsense and call yourself BMOC. Like, I'm not seeing you. So, when did you, when did you guys feel that the spirit of hip hop, at least the transformation of it, was slowly eroding. Like, what was your first uh-oh moment? And I don't mean like oh, when this guy rose to prominence or whatever, but like when was- the, when when um when I heard uh, women referred to as bitches by NWA, I was like, something something's hmm. about to happen. Something's different because I had never heard Kane. KRS-One, Slick Rick, Heavy D, Fresh Prince. I never heard yeah, any of them refer to right. a woman as a bitch. Even Go See the Doctor was like respectful. Right. The word was skeezer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was really shady. Like my mom would not, not let me say skeezer in the house. Yeah, the word you know what I'm saying? Like, but, but I will tell you for me, I went to, I'll never forget this. I went to Roanoke, Virginia on tour with Kane. We went back to back. And the first year we went, it was Kane, Queen Latifah, Digital Underground, third base, nice and smooth. 89 Roanoke. Black crowd, college crowd, felt good. You know, it felt like any other place. We went back a year later. Carol Lewis booked us a year later Mm -hmm. in Roanoke. It was all white people, all and screaming for Kane and screaming for Digital Underground and screaming for so all. So was of that, that the MTV effect? Totally, mm. 
Totally. And for me, like I was through when we did Pop Goes the Weasel and we went out on tour, you know, and we took Cypress and Naughty and right. Tim Dog and all that. And we would get to Pop Goes the Weasel and these drunk frat white boys would come on our stage and try to do stage diving. And our dancers were from Long Beach. We that, weren't right? having that. We would body slam these dudes like they were rushing the stage. Like we were snuffing them. Like we didn't know what they were doing. Like right. I was I was done. Like for me, I was done. Like I was like, this is just not, this is not what I expected. Shout out to 88 for you saying snuff. I know another <laughs> moment, another moment that was different for me was um I could have said duff too, right? Seeing, duff them out. Uh all of those women in the hot tub with Puffy and Biggie. I was like, wait a second, what's happening here? Really? It, it was a lot. Uh, you know, as a woman looking at these visuals, it was mm -hmm. like I was really confused as to where we were headed. But you try to flip it on him with get a rough roll. You try to flip it on him. Flip what on him? You try to flip the sexuality on him. You try to take your sexuality and you were saying what kind of guy you liked. Oh yeah, that's that's fine. But they wasn't. I didn't. I was wasn't in a hot tub with four or five. No, no, I'm not saying. I'm not saying that. I don't. I don't. Just it rattled me. Maybe they needed a bath. I don't know. For for me, it wasn't the music. It was when they started first week sales. Huh. All of a sudden, -sound skin. all, all mm. of a sudden, they stopped developing artists, and all of a sudden, it just jumped into who could say the craziest thing and get the most. Like pre-social media, pre-going viral, it was what you could say on record to get the most attention, and the first week sales kind of like took away from artists being developed, where you had to go open up for somebody, you had to follow the tour bus in the van, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It, it turned into something else, where if your album didn't pop in like three weeks, it was over. Mm. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, mm -hmm. not even in hip-hop, there was other genres of music where the album had been out for a year and didn't catch on, and then it caught on. So to me, mm -hmm. the yeah. first week sales kind of ruined the chance of, of growth. Of I remember, growth. I remember yeah. me and Pete and Clark Kent were doing a party at Irving Plaza when Palladium was open. Uh -huh. And a young group got on stage in 1986. Nobody knew of them. A group called Raw Bass and Easy Rock. They were on profile. My man Steve Plotnicki, who was head of, who, head of um, retail, said, hey, can you get these guys a slot on your, on, your, on your night? They came on. They did a song called It Takes Two. Didn't move nobody. What? Didn't move nobody. Didn't Clark Kent played it. Easy Rock got on the turntables. He was rhyming. No one could care less. A year later, was it the sound system? Nope. Sound system was bumping. They was unfamiliar I with the song. I want to rock right now. I'm Rob Bass and I came to like get down. If they really not internationally song. known. Nobody was trying to check for them lyrics. A year later, it was a rap. Yeah. Popularity, man. But, but no, no, no. But I'm talking about the timeline. You know what I mean? They actually, like if that record came record, out now. Though. And it didn't pop in eight weeks, it'd be a wrap. Yeah, be a wrap. This hard. record developed over a year. Yeah. That's you know? a long time. You know when I notice a difference? I notice a difference um, listening to radio and seeing what was um, in heavy rotation. Because, um, like, you know, I remember, like, when we came out, NWA, Easy e they was popping. And they were selling a lot of records. Didn't get no radio play. Luke was Skywalker, New same thing. Was New York, I know in Philly we had a sort of no rap work day. Like suddenly in 
90, 91, suddenly it was no rap work day. Like, they took away Lady B Street Beat for like a good two years. It was like hard as hell. Then we had to depend on college radio. But I'm saying, what I'm trying to say is but like, did you know, New York even ever like, have that at no, all? I don't, I don't, not, I don't, I don't think so. so I'm saying you didn't hear no NW on the radio. You didn't hear Luke Skywalker right. on the radio. You didn't hear the Ghetto Boys on the radio. But we didn't hear no selling. Too Short, too short either. Too short either. Nothing. But they were selling a lot of records and they right. were popping. Millions of copies. You know what I'm saying? Hammer. But when you started hearing all the, um, the, the vulgar um, lyrics and the gangster rap being the main thing, mm-hmm. becoming mainstream on radio, that's when I felt like, okay, something's, something's, something's well, about was, to happen. That's how, the, it's not ours. It's the agenda. How uh, easy or how hard was it to rock different marketplaces that weren't New York-based? So if, if Set It Off could move you in 1988 in New York, you had to understand uh, when your you catalog. guys would go to Phoenix or something, or like you had to understand your catalog. You had to understand your catalog mm-hmm. and knew what worked with certain crowds. You know, certain places I knew that you know I could end with raw. I could end with um, warm it up. And uh, usually the video, because by then Yo MTV Raps was rocking all over the nation, and you knew that the song you had with your video, you was, could do. Yeah, you it was a high get, joint. Mm-hmm. I would cheat. Cause I knew how to freestyle. Like I remember doing a show in like Houston, and they had no clue who I was. But I freestyled off a ghetto, a ghetto boys beat, and won them over. That's that. I, that's because my songs were really regional. So you know what? <laughs> I'm so glad you said that shit. Before anything, we were living in London at the time, so we had uh-huh. to go on ninth hand information. Yeah. What happened that night of the freestyle between you and Supernet? Oh, that was just in '94. Uh, that was a situation where, um, you know, I was known for freestyling, you know, on the radio and all of that, and a lot of people knew that I could freestyle, and I was cool with organized confusion, and they were working with Super Nat, and he was in the studio talking about how he was the greatest freestyler, and they were like, "Well, yo, Craig G could probably take you," so we were supposed to battle on Bobito. Okay live on the radio and I think Buck Wild and a few other people were going to bring their drum machines and Nat didn't show up. So um, I'm at um, the New Music Seminar and I'm just chilling. I'm with like Diamond D and them and he was on stage and they just asked him. They were like, yo, what's up with the battle with you and Craig G? And if you ever see the video, he kind of looks out into it's the crowd. It's on video? Yeah, they have like clips of it on video, yeah. Is it on YouTube? Yeah, it should be. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, it's like clips of it. It's probably from the freestyle or the rap movie. Okay. But um, he called me out and I he remember- He called you out. Yeah. He, Yo, Craig, where you at? What What is that? That's a call out, right? Yes. And then imagine him saying that and you turn around and Grandmaster Kaz is standing next to you who's like part of some of the most legendary battles. I walked on stage with a 40 ounce in my hand. I wasn't prepared to battle him, but I did know and I, I knew I was the underdog and I used it against him basically. That's pretty much what happened. Like, I baited him. I said a regular rhyme. I knew some information. Nobody told me. I researched everybody. I knew he was from <laughs> Indiana. And it was perfect timing. Like, I said, when you go back home to Indiana, get Mike Tyson out the slammer. And he couldn't recover, basically, is what it was. I, you know, I talked to him a lot. Like, you know, he lives in Cali, and we might work on some music at some point. We don't have the scheduling like that. But, right. you know, to me... It kind of helped me because it took me from being this old school rapper 
to being able to work my way into the underground and have like a slightly second career from it. Yeah, the the ripples that that caused. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. I forget. I think Tim Westwood was talking about like yeah, and this is before the internet, so it was such a viral moment. Yeah, that. It just became something on its own, but I never Sometimes I could be an asshole, and I remember at the end of the battle, I had a stack of cards from record labels, and I threw them all in the trash. Really? Yeah. I threw them all in the trash. Because I was like, nobody was checking for me. (laughs) So if it ain't genuine, I don't want to be the flavor of the month. Right. So, you know, I threw them all in the trash. I had rowdy records. I had a stack of cards from labels. I threw them all in the garbage. Kane, did you ever have any battles of note on... I mean, during that the, the period of where you're coming up, like, did any MCs ever try to challenge you? Like, I mean, that's I started as a battle rapper. That's all I did. Really? Yeah, that's all I did. Um, until um, I met Biz, and that's how I met Biz. I met Biz battling. I asked him for a battle. You never saw him with Keith Murray was rapping for him? No. <laughs> Cut that out, man. <laughs> Cut it out, man. <laughs> you don't know what are we talking about? You ever saw that hey, Keith? Yeah. Now, well, Keith was 15, man. You know, he was 15, just really getting started, man. Cut it out, man. Nah, man. <laughs> he did it to me, man. You say a rhyme in front of Kane, and Kane would just say a rhyme that'd top your rhyme by 95 decibels of a bar, and you just, you're out. like, okay, let me just go back home and throw those so, other rhyme books away, nah, too. Nah, Keith was like, wow, you know, <laughs> nah. his name wasn't even Keith Murray. His rap name was Do Damage at the time. Do oh, Damage. Wow. What, what year is this? Um, I don't know, 88 maybe. But you know, coming up during that time, like if you lived in a certain neighborhood and they knew you could rhyme, you couldn't leave the house without battling with somebody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do that's you, all do I did. Do you remember jazz, the whole Jazz Fresh situation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, just, I hear of it in Philly, but I don't, what was, did you and Jazz Fresh know each other from Philly or just? No, you know, I just found out maybe like uh, two years ago that we had battled prior to After Midnight. Really? I didn't even know that. Yeah. Okay. Because um, I remember battling someone at the rooftop that had dissed Biz Marquis, and I stepped up and battled them there. Okay. I didn't know that that was the same dude from After Midnight. Okay. I, like, I remember the After Midnight thing, and um, I know it was a time issue. I don't know whether I got there late or what was going on. I can't really remember. And then we got, we got on, and um, I guess dude asked for the battle. We came up, and we went. And we, I, I don't know if we went, well, uh, maybe two rounds, maybe. Right. And dude didn't want to stop. Dude didn't want to stop. And then Lady B told him, listen, you need to stop. <laughs> you, 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 know, you, you need to stop. Because for sure, first she said it to me, like, yo, we need to finish the show. And then, but dude didn't want to stop. Then Lady oh, just B- mid-show, he was like, I'll battle you. Yeah, this was during the show. Oh, um, God. Okay. Yeah. And um, <laughs> then um, first Lady B told me. You know, so I was ready to go on with the show, right. you know, because I, I knew that, because I already, at, at uh, the rooftop, I already gave it to him, right. and it was happening again, but dude, you know, he, this dude, you know, he didn't want to stop, and then Lady B told him, like, you really need to stop, I, like, I'm, like, gave him that look, like, you know, I'm doing you a favor, right? but dude, dude was re- relentless with it, you know, uh, and then um, I threw him. Um, a hundred dollars at him. I was like, you know, I was like, I was like, yo, here you go, man. Here goes something for your troubles, man. Something like being, <laughs> being arrogant, you know. Mm. Damn. But, um, 
But yeah, I mean, I'm just finding out that um, it was the same dude. You know, I tried to um, because me and Ch- Charlie, me and Charlie Mack was talking about just him. Just performed by Ultra Magnetic Friday in Philly. Yeah, the Juice Crew really? joint we did though for Charlie Mack. Yeah. yeah. Cause I was telling Charlie Mack to bring him, cause he said the dude still talks about. It. I was like, <laughs> "Yo, dude!" I'm like, "I'd love to see this guy." The, 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 the legend of Kane versus Jazz Fresh is like bigger than what actually happened. I'm like, glad you told me what actually like happened. The Lockless Monster. I've, yeah, I've yet to hear. I don't know if it's on tape or video or anything. No, like Charlie Mack says that he's like still today. He'd be like, "Y'all know I won. Y'all know I won." Oh, like, my I mean, God. I, 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 that I can attest to. Yo, yeah. That's like the garbage man. I that mean, says, you know, I you know I ran for 150 yards in high school. Oh, Polkai. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, like, I give Duke credit. He didn't back down. You know what I'm saying? And right. he wanted to keep it going. But what it was, it was like we was in the middle of a show, and I mean, it was like you, you're not winning right now. It was unprofessional. <laughs> yeah. I see. No, you know, you know. But I mean, but it, it you know, it was, yeah, that's what that was. Wow. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I can go on forever. It's about to be like zero yeah. o'clock in the morning. Top was, shelf. Yeah. Top shelf. <laughs> I will say, yes, ladies and gentlemen, please, please support Top Shelf 1988. Um, can we expect uh, any other offspring videos? Part two, three, four. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely want to have some visuals in the future. We're going to have... Um, some crazy vinyl next year and yeah you know, will we, it be available yeah. on heart that's the, yeah, 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 the, yeah that's the most important yeah yeah yes. absolutely on wax <laughs> absolutely super on important wax. yeah absolutely can i just say one thing yes absolutely so in 1988 i was 10 years old in pittsburgh i was a paper boy like a real paper like i delivered newspapers mm-hmm. um and i used that money to go to the record store to buy tapes um and they were tapes of everyone that's in this room. And um, and then I flash forward to 1990 at the Syria Mosque when Third Base and Big Daddy Kane, Digital Underground were performing. And I was there with my brother and one of his friends. Kane, you came out in a hot tub. They pushed you out in a hot tub. Yeah, that's why I was telling like, chill. Oh. <laughs> that's what he told us. Ladies, y'all forgive me, ladies. <laughs> ladies, y'all forgive me. Y'all is it old time when Michael showed us story? I'm sitting here like Speedos. Speedos. He had the biker. He had the biker shorts on. Biker shorts on. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, sexual chocolate, ladies and gentlemen, sexual chocolate. Nah, that shit worked back then. Oh my goodness, it worked. But let me tell you how much of an honor it is to just be here with you guys it's it's like really sort of a surreal experience for me so uh it's an honor to be here and to have worked with you in some capacity and to you know bring this project to light and you know one of my main things with this project is not just like yeah go listen to top shelf 1988 like definitely do because it's super dope but also listen to everything else listen to long live the cane listen to light as a rock listen to all the different records that came out then and it's like a celebration of that time and it's a reminder of like, yo, shit was dope. You know what I mean? And yeah. and that's like what I came up listening to. Like that's like basically all I listened to. And so to me it's important to to always shine a light on it. We have to thank invest you. in our art and our artists. Yes, you're you're right. Ladies and gentlemen, I thank you very much for coming to normally I tell my crew to give it up, but I'm the only person here. We'll give it up for each other. Give it up for each other. So on behalf of the Top Shelf 1988 crew and the QLS crew, this is Quest Love. 
Thank you very much for joining us. This was a special edition of Quest Love Supreme. I'll see you on the next go-round. Peace. Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.